0: If you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We have this uh, sermon and the following, and that will wrap up our series I've called Belong. Looking at the book of Romans, uh, at the opening of Romans, uh, Jesus says, or Paul says that we are. Uh, Privilege—we are called to belong to Jesus Christ, and so this message uh, throughout the Book of Romans is helping us sort out all the ways in which we belong and how our belonging is secure through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Before we dive into Romans eight, I want to tell a familiar story to you, uh, just to kind of set the stage for what we're about to hear from Paul. There was a scene that happened uh, that. Uh, happened after Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and then he went into the temple and in the temple courts there were Pharisees and religious leaders and they bring a woman to Jesus and right before Jesus they say this woman is caught in adultery and this all happens right in front in in the temple courts and and Jesus uh, is there standing and this woman's brought to them and they're ready to put Jesus into this trap and We have heard this story before, and so you know with the familiarity of the things happening within it, they say, you know, the law of Moses says that we are to condemn this woman and stone her. The law of Moses says this. And so they are looking to trap Jesus in this sort of religious quandary and puzzle, and Jesus, he just goes on writing (laughs) writing on the ground, and we don't know what he wrote, we don't know... Uh, maybe he was drawing pictures, I don't know, having a good time. But the, uh, the religious leaders, they press harder and they want to know, what are we going to do? How, how are you going to condemn this woman as the, as the law demands? Jesus he then chimes in and he says, well, he who is without sin cast the first stone." And so all of those who were perhaps rearing and ready to go, they start realizing one by one, well, there's sin in my life. I'm, I'm not really able to cast this judgment. And one by one, all the stones sort of drop to the ground, and they all leave. And Jesus looks at her, and she says, there's, there's no one left. There's no one here to condemn me. There's no one to condemn me, no one to stone me here and Jesus says to her, well then neither do I condemn you. We live in a world that is quick to condemn. You spend five minutes on the internet and you realize that we live among a judgmental bunch. People who are ready that at the slightest of failures are ready to pounce and attack and make sure you know just how bad you are, just how evil people are, just how evil the other side is, just how evil they are within themselves, just how malicious their intent is to bring harm. We live in a world where people are quick to judge, quick to condemn. There before Jesus, there are, there are religious people. You know, I have a tendency sometimes as a Christian, as I just navigate life, I look, I look two directions. I look two directions. One, one I look up. And I look up at people who are, have religious convictions who seem to be more righteous than I am. I know that's hard to find those people, but there are a few of them, right? That's a joke for our guests. I'm only slightly the most holy person here, right? The, uh, so friends, I tend to look up and I think, man, I don't, I don't know that I quite measure up to their standards. Do you have people that you feel like are a little bit more religious elite than you are? Like, they seem to have their life put together a lot better. Really, we know they're just better fakers. But, uh, but there are those folks that it's like, man, I don't know that I quite measure up to their prayer life. I don't know that I go to church quite as much as they do. Like, I go quite a bit, but there are still people that go more than I do. And I think, man, I don't quite measure up to them. And then, then I also do this. And this is the fun thing to do. I like to look down on people. Like, well, at least I'm not like them. At least I'm not doing those things. Or at least I'm not getting drunk. Or at least I'm not treating my wife that way. At least I'm better to my kids than they are. At least I'm not like them. Who likes to do that too? Both of those things are terrible for our souls. Terrible for our souls. This comparison. And so when I look at the story there in John chapter 8, God brings, uh, God, before God, is people who are the religious experts, and there is also those who look down on others. All the people have come to the party, and Jesus is there. And Jesus there says the most powerful words that we can hear as human In a world that's looking to condemn those who are worse than us and compare ourselves to those who think they're better than us, Jesus is there standing in the midst, in the middle of all of it. And he says to the woman who has committed a sin, who is deserving of punishment, and he says to her, I don't condemn you either. And here's, I mean, that's a wonderful story that speaks truth to us and speaks to our souls and reminds us in one respect to get ourselves out of the comparison game, but also to get ourselves out of the condemnation game, one that compares ourselves and condemns others and makes us feel better than others so that we don't feel quite as bad about not being as religious as others, and just sort of step out of all of that nonsense and say, what is the truth? And the truth is, is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stands before sinners and he says, I don't condemn you either. And so we let the truth of that story resonate in our heart, and then Jesus comes out with this sort of a louisville slugger what does he say after that go and sin no more well gee jesus i'll get right on top of that i'll stop sinning right who uh who here sinned lately you know let's go through the list uh we'll start in the front row and work our way back jesus says go and sin no more and there are, there's a way to hear that that feels like Jesus has just strapped this incredible burden on top of this woman to feel like, to feel like, wow, I have to go my life without sinning. I have to go my life without sinning. I have to carry this burden of perfection. I have to carry this burden of not letting God down again. He's done this incredible thing for me. How do I go on not sinning? And friends, I invite you to hear the message today as the woman who has been given the gift of liberation from sin because of her sin being forgiven. She has new life in Christ and you have that today because you belong to Jesus Christ. You are not condemned by Jesus. You are given the gift of new life in Christ. You belong to God. Let's pray. Let's dig into Romans 8, and let's be encouraged by God's Word. God, we love you. Thank you that in Jesus Christ, we are not condemned. We are forgiven. We are saved. We are set free because of Jesus, because we belong to you. God, in Romans 8, you teach us some of the most important truths that we can understand about ourselves. And so for the familiar, Lord, i Let it strengthen our faith. For the new encouragements, let it embolden us to walk faithfully. For those that may never have heard this truth before, may it resonate in our hearts this morning that we respond to your love. We respond to your kindness and your mercy and your love. Lord, let today be the day that we are set free from sin to live a new life in you and your spirit. Thank you that we can belong to you as your children. We love you and praise you. Open our hearts and our minds to you now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In Romans chapter 8, the words of Jesus are echoed here from the Apostle Paul. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but we live, friends, look at this and underline it, we live according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh, they have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. We're going to keep going. Hang on for the ride. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it, for if you live according to the flesh you will die, but if the spirit, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption. Your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. When we look at the gospel or at the gospel that's taught us in the book of Romans, there are a few things that jump out at me and i just want to share those quick encouragements with you i want to think about life in light of okay i have my sins no longer held against me how do i then live my life in god and so there are there are like there's kind of two different people there are those outside of christ and those there are those in christ and much of what we've learned about in the, in the book of Romans is how do we get from not a part of God to belonging to God. And we've covered all of, uh, much of that. It's the faithfulness of Jesus. It's his loving kindness brought us through, uh, through the work of the cross to redeem us and save us and that our sins are no longer held against us, that we belong to Christ now. And so if we look at the first sort of six weeks to say that we are, now, uh, we are now dead to sins and we are alive, we are alive in Christ. Romans 8 now starts asking the question, how do we live in light of new life in Jesus? And this is the question that we should basically be asking ourselves each and every day as we function and live among the world. How do I live today? not like I was before Jesus. How do I live today in accordance with the spirit of Christ? Do you ask that question? You pop up out of bed and think, how can I honor and glorify God today? Maybe it's not so much popping as it is rolling or there is popping when you get out of bed. I've started experiencing that and I'm thinking I'm 38. Where does it go from here? And I hear I hear worse, worse. It just keeps getting worse, right? So less popping, more rolling. But as soon as my feet hit the ground, what am I thinking about? How do I live? How do I live to glorify God today? And I think Paul starts flushing this out no pun intended between a life of the flesh and a life in the spirit. And we lived our life in the flesh, and the flesh it desires what the flesh desires, and all of the sinful nature and all of that is deserving of death. He's saying, you have been set free from that. You are no longer condemned by that. You have a life in God, in his spirit. And there are some things that Paul is bringing up to us that I think help us kind of put some flesh around our faith. There are a few things. and One of them is that we are walking according to the spirit. In verse verse 8-4, it gives us a sense that... um, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Verses 8, 4, and 5 is starting to say, well, how do I walk in faith? Well, I start setting my mind on what the Spirit desires. Worship is a good thing for me to reorient my life and get me thinking about the right thing. You know, there's, there's a thing that we talk about, and just with our, just with our kids, it, it helps. Are they hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And when you have hungry, angry, lonely, tired children, what happens? We start saying things like, boy, they're hungry." We had some hungry, angry, uh, tired children on vacation, and let me tell you, you just, you just try finding snacks and a place to lay them down, right? We need this. We need this. Have you ever been hungry or angry or lonely or tired? And what are the things that happens when the the things of the flesh start mounting? Is our mind always set on Christ? And I know that this is maybe like rudimentary. It's pretty simple thinking, but friends, it really boils down to, will I let my train of thinking be wandering down the path towards flesh, or will I give pause for a moment and say, Will I fix my mind on Christ and his spirit? Will I seek what the spirit desires? And Paul is simply drawing us back to say, we no longer live according to the way of death and the way of the flesh. We live according to the spirit. As those who belong to God, you have the spirit of God in you in which you can say, God, God, I need you. What is it that your spirit desires of me in this moment? What is it that I can think of? What, what is it of your goodness can distract me from all of my complaints and all of whatever I'm thinking about, whatever path I'm going down? God, would you fix my thoughts on you? Is that an encouragement to you today? It's just this reminder that if I'm going to walk by the Spirit, then I need to set my mind on the Spirit as well. You know, we were, uh, all of my illustrations today have to do with vacation. Uh, uh, we were, uh, we were, going to get ice cream multiple times for the week. Why? Because ice cream was on my mind, and it was vacation, and you're allowed to do that. You're also allowed to do it not on vacation. Ice cream is a gift from God, and we should use it. And so when I was thinking, hey, the kids would like ice cream right now. This is a good memory. Let's walk to the ice cream place. It was on my mind, and that's what we did. Could it be that simple, friends? that we need to set our mind on the Spirit and what the Spirit desires. What is it that you want, God? Lead me to what is good and righteous and holy. Lead me to someone who needs your encouragement. Lead me to, to pray for someone else rather than complain about all my problems. God, would you stir in me the right desires and seek your heart and seek your face? Do you need that encouragement today? How do we walk according to the Spirit? Well, we set our minds on the Spirit. We also submit to God's law rather than be hostile to it. In verse 7, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. And we know this. When we're, when we're thinking about flesh and thinking about our sinful ways, we're hostile towards God. But he says, It does not submit to God's law. It cannot do so. But those who are in the realm of the flesh, they cannot please God but I can live my, a life that pleases God and brings glory to him when I submit to him. And that's the wrestling match, isn't it? God's way or my way? Where has your way gotten you? Where has following your path and your dreams and finding, finding yourself and choosing what makes you the happiest and all of those things, whenever I have chased chased the things of the flesh, chosen my own way. It hasn't worked out very well. But wherever I have found my life submitting to God and his ways and his desires, that's where I found true joy and true completion. Is that true for you? Is that true for you? And so I invite you and I remind you that we need to be people who walk with God and walk in the Spirit, who think about God and think about what he desires. I think we need to be reminded of that more often, right? And then I believe that choosing to submit to God and his ways as opposed to submitting uh, myself and, and giving myself to all of my desires and all of the ways of the flesh. Choosing a denial of self and choosing to submit to the way of God and submit to his Spirit's leading. I give you my life into your spirit. I trust my life into your hands, God. That needs to be a daily, hourly, by minute repetition of our hearts that says, I'm submitting my life to you and your glory. I hope I'm challenging you in that, reminding you of something that maybe you've been told before, but all of us need that reminder, don't we? To submit to God and submit to his ways. And friends, ultimately then we can look to our lives and we can say, those who are in the realm of the flesh, they can't please God. But the reciprocal of that, it's not explicitly stated, if there was an 8B that we would add to it, is that those who are in the Spirit can please God. We can please God through submitting our lives to the Spirit of Christ. And I encourage you that you can do that. And so if we were to rewind the message and we were to go to visit the woman who's caught in adultery and she's told uh, Romans 8.1, a sermon's later preached to her that says, therefore there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. She can say to you, boy, I, I remember that message right from Jesus himself, that there is no condemnation. And then she can also be encouraged that this message that says go and sin no more doesn't become this burden that weighs her down, but the liberation of a new life that's in Jesus Christ filled with the Spirit that says, I can choose God, I can choose His Spirit, I can choose His ways as opposed to my own. And a life that was filled with frailty and death and brokenness and suffering, that I can abandon that life and live a new life in Jesus Christ today. Because of his spirit that's in me. Because of his spirit that's been given me. I can think of him. I can walk with him. I can reflect on him. I can submit to him. I can walk with God in his spirit. None of us are going to be perfect in this endeavor, and that's the reason why sermons were created. To remind us, to encourage us that the Spirit of God is in you. And it's caring for you. And what Paul says to us then is he takes all of this and he says, okay, we can think, we can walk, we can submit, we can trust in God and His Spirit. You have a new life in His Spirit. And he wants you to know this. You've been adopted. You've been adopted by God. You get all of the privileges of belonging to God and His family. You are God's child. I could preach that message to you every week for the rest of your life and that would be the best thing you could ever hear. You are no longer separated from God, but you belong to God and you are a part of his family. And I hope for you, my prayer for you is that you would know how rich of love that is, that God has redeemed you, saved you, and brought you to be a part of his promise this promise that was given way back to Abraham who says, you will be a great nation and a part of you will be many people. I took the children out on a walk to the beach at uh, the ocean around 10 o'clock at night. It gets a lot darker down there uh, earlier. And so it was dark and there was not a cloud in the sky and it was on the ocean. And so you can see as far as we can see. And I told them the promise given to Abraham. said, look to the stars. Look to the stars, and as many as the stars there are, that's how great of a nation you will have, of how many will be my, your children, your offspring, your great people. And through Jesus Christ, we get to be a part of the stars. You are God's children. You are a part of God's promise to Abraham. You are blessed, and you belong to God's family so that we have a relationship with God that has changed, and we go from what Paul says is a spirit of fear. And where there's fear, there's death, there's disunity. We know all about fear, and we move from a spirit of fear to a spirit that says, God, you are my Father. We cry out, Abba. We cry out, Dad. We call upon God, not in the spirit of fear, but in the spirit of, I get to call God the creator of heavens and earth, my Father. You do too. You belong to God through Jesus Christ's faithfulness and loving kindness brought to us through Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins, rescuing us and saving us. Your life is secure in Jesus Christ, you belong to God. He has adopted you. And so then we read Romans 8.1, and we remind ourselves, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can sit in the pew this morning, and you can think about all the ways in which you followed the flesh, and you didn't follow the Spirit this week. And we can sit with our guilt and our shame and our suffering and our sadness and we can think about how terrible we've been. But I want to remind you and encourage you today that where the law, where the law condemns, the Spirit gives life and says, you are no longer condemned through Christ. A little over a week ago, there was an incident at the London National Gallery. Do you know what I'm talking about? couple of people walked into the London National Gallery and they had glue and they had a can of tomato soup in their hand. Two people, tomato soup and glue, walk into the National Gallery and they are going to protest. And these protesters, they open up the can of tomato sauce, I assume Campbell's, I'm not sure, and they take the can and they Throw all of the tomato sauce on Vincent van Gogh's 1887 painting, Sunflowers. They pour the sauce on van Gogh's sunflower, an $80 million painting. They look to ruin it. They pull out the glue from their coats. They glue their hands to the wall. Commotion arises and people. They get arrested, and they call the cop. They take the painting off of the wall. Their goal was to ruin this art, throwing the sauce on it, thinking that it would deteriorate the painting. Well, the officials, they get them arrested, and everything transpires in National Gallery, London National Gallery. They get it all cleaned up, and they set it back up six hours later and they issue a report. The painting was unharmed. The painting was unharmed. They looked to ruin it. They looked to throw throw tomato sauce at it and destroy it. And what they didn't know is that there is an unseen thing covering it, just a hint of glass of incredible strength that was protecting it. Friends, the law looks to condemn. Satan looks to condemn. Our sin looks to condemn. And Paul is telling you, you are unharmed. You belong to Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. You are loved. This week might have been a, life, a week filled with those feelings of like maybe you have had a little tomato soup thrown at you. But, friends, you are not condemned. You are forgiven and loved. Would you walk in the Spirit of Christ? Think of Him, submit to Him, trust that you are forgiven and have new life in him. Will you pray with me? God, we love you. Thank you that there is now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus, that we are forgiven of our sins, that we can call out to you and call you our Father. And so we do just that. Our Father, you are in heaven, and holy and righteous and good is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today all that we need. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our sustenance and our strength. Give us today living water, living bread that nourishes our hearts and strengthens us. Lord, forgive us of our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us of the times in which we've walked by the flesh and that we've been separated from you and sought our own way. Forgive us of those things that have pulled us away from you and have brought nothing but shame shame and suffering because we've turned away from you. Forgive us of this, God, as we turn towards you and we experience your forgiveness and your grace today, God. And let us forgive others. Let us forgive others and extend the same kindness that was brought to the woman standing before you, condemned of her sin, condemned by man but forgiven by you. So let us, God, not compare... And kill our souls condemn and Condemn others and condone our own. But God, lead us from temptation and evil, lead us from darkness and help us to walk in the spirit of truth and grace today. Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. May you be glorified in all that we say and do. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.